This is the emdocs.net podcast with Britt Long and Manny Singh. We bring you high-yield content about what you're seeing every day in the ED. Today we cover a potential myth on the association of strep throat and rheumatic fever. Sore throat or pharyngitis is the third most common complaint for physician visits with over 30 million cases diagnosed every year. Although most of these cases are viral in origin, the big focus of our attention in the ED stems around the question of strep throat versus not strep and who gets antibiotics. But does anyone need antibiotics? So why do we care if it's strep pharyngitis? Well, group A strep is the most common bacterial infection occurring in acute pharyngitis, resulting in 5 to 15% of sore throat visits in adults and 20 to 30% in children. As opposed to a self-limiting viral pharyngitis, which only requires symptomatic relief and a period of recovery, the popular dogma is that treating strep pharyngitis with a course of antibiotics will hasten recovery and prevent the incidence of acute rheumatic fever, particularly rheumatic heart disease. More to come on that later. Is everyone at risk for strep pharyngitis-induced acute rheumatic fever? Not kids less than 3 years old. It is presumed that repeat group A strep exposures are required to prime the immune system before an autoimmune response could result in an anti-streptolysin O antibody and acute rheumatic fever. The immature immune system of children less than 3 are not primed for this capability, and thus the recommendations are to avoid treatment and workup for strep pharyngitis in this population. If acute rheumatic fever is a concern, why not just treat everyone? Beyond just antibiotic stewardship, many fail to consider the adverse effect profile that comes with antibiotic use. In addition to nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, unnecessary antibiotic use may lead to hypersensitivity reactions such as SJS and TEN, anaphylaxis, imbalance of gut flora, and an increased risk of C. diff. Consider for a moment that penicillin administration has an anaphylaxis incidence of 0.2%, or 1 in every 10,000 injections, that's a number needed of harm of 500. Keep that number in the back of your mind next time you're considering antibiotics. How can we know if it's viral or bacterial pharyngitis? Well, patients with viral pharyngitis typically present with symptoms like cough, coryza, conjunctivitis, sinus discomfort, oral ulcers, and occasionally a recognizable viral exanthem. Patients with clear-cut viral symptoms should not receive further workup for a bacterial etiology due to the risk of false negatives and unnecessary workups. What about those patients with indeterminate symptoms? Well, thankfully, we have something called the center criteria, which is a list of four criteria that can be used to estimate the probability that pharyngitis is streptococcal in origin and to suggest a potential management course. The four criteria can be remembered using the CAFE mnemonic, which stands for cough, which is absent, adenopathy, fever, and exudate along the tonsils. The greater number of center criteria, the higher the probability of strep pharyngitis. But there are some issues with accuracy. Now, a score of 1 out of 4 has a 10% probability of strep pharyngitis, but a score of 4 out of 4 only has a 50% probability, so basically only a coin flip. Now, when it comes to the actual score, if you have a score of 2 or less, no further evaluation is recommended. While for a score of 3 or 4, you can obtain a rapid strep antigen detection test. When it comes to the rapid strep antigen detection test, this has a sensitivity ranging from 70 to 90% and a specificity of 95%. Keep in mind that it's not a perfect test 
as you're still susceptible to numerous false negatives and false positives. Throat culture is the gold standard. The problem with this is that results take up to 48 hours to return, which delays our diagnosis and the potential initiation of antibiotics. Additionally, keep in mind that a positive throat culture implies colonization, but not necessarily infection. Our final tests are ASO antibody titers, but these aren't recommended in the routine diagnosis of acute pharyngitis. A common question my residents tend to ask me is if a patient has a rapid negative strep, should we follow this up with a throat culture? Well, it depends. Yes for kids, no for adults. According to the IDSA recommendation, in children and adolescents, a negative rapid strep test should be backed up by a throat culture. However, routine use of a backup culture in adults with a negative test is not necessary in usual circumstances. And that's because of a low incidence of group A strep pharyngitis in adults and because the risk of subsequent acute rheumatic fever is generally exceptionally low in adults with acute pharyngitis. So say your rapid strep test is positive. Should we follow this up with a culture? Yes, if you're planning to initiate antibiotics, which most likely you are since you sent the rapid test in the first place, patients in which non-group A strep is confirmed by throat cultures, antibiotics should be promptly discontinued. A common statement I tend to hear is if you treat it, you'll be better in seven days. If you don't treat it, you'll be sick for a week. Well, untreated, the symptoms of strep pharyngitis are believed to last approximately seven days. Although research is limited, bacterial treatment has been shown to reduce these symptoms on average for just 14 hours. Of note, all the studies in the Cochrane Review compared antibiotics to placebo. They did not compare symptom relief with antibiotics to analgesics, such as a combination of acetaminophen or ibuprofen, which has been shown to be equally as efficacious at reducing the duration of symptoms. Bottom line, the short decrease in durations may not justify the added risk associated with antibiotic use. What's the data to support a reduction in rheumatic fever with antibiotics? Well, if you've ever looked through the literature on strep pharyngitis, you keep finding a recurring statistic that antibiotics reduce the risk of acute rheumatic fever from 2.8% to 0.2%. And what we're worried about is rheumatic heart disease that can follow rheumatic fever. Interestingly, this statistic comes from a single study conducted in the 1940s in a military population of recruits. In this study, 1,600 young males who presented with tonsillar exudate were randomized to receive either penicillin G, which is then repeated in 48 to 96 hours, versus placebo. The patients then returned to their military barracks, after which they were followed up at four weeks for signs of acute rheumatic fever using the Jones criteria. Now, if you're thinking about using the Jones criteria, head over to MDCalc to make it simple. Of the patients who took antibiotics, 2 out of 800, or 0.2%, developed rheumatic fever compared to 17 out of 800 patients, or 2.8%, in the control group. This gives you a number needed to treat of 53. And given that close to 50% of patients with acute rheumatic fever develop rheumatic heart disease, this gives you a number needed to treat of 106 to prevent one case of rheumatic heart disease. This brings us to the major question, are these results generalizable? This was a very specific young, all-male population living in close quarters under daily stressors. And keep in mind that these results have never been replicated in a community setting. The number needed to treat a 53 to prevent one case of acute rheumatic fever is based on a relatively high incidence of acute rheumatic fever seen only in military barrack epidemics and third-world countries. More recent data suggest a nationwide community incidence of 300 per 2.2 million patients without antibiotics 
compared to 75 per 2.2 million with antibiotics. This gives us an absolute risk reduction of close to 1 per 100,000 or an NNT of 10,000 to prevent one case of acute rheumatic fever. This means that for rheumatic heart disease, antibiotics are associated with a number needed to treat of 20,000. Now, do you remember that number needed to harm of 500 for anaphylaxis following penicillin administration and all the other adverse effects associated with antibiotics that Manny talked about? This is the information you must use to decide whether antibiotics are doing more harm than good when treating strep pharyngitis. But if antibiotics don't prevent acute rheumatic fever, why the large decrease in incidence in acute rheumatic fever in the U.S.? The most consistent argument for reduced incidence is that changes of streptococcal and protein types have led to a reduced rheumatogenicity and reduced ability to cause acute rheumatic fever, not an increase in antibiotic use. This is supported by data showing a reduced incidence in streptococcal infections occurring long before the advent of antibiotics. Additionally, an analysis of the 1987 Utah outbreak showed no increased incidence of strep pharyngitis despite the increased incidence of acute rheumatic fever, suggesting that it's just a specific rheumatic genic strain of group A strep rather than the group A strep species itself. It's worth noting that 50% of patients with acute rheumatic fever in this population did not have a sore throat during the two-month period before onset. Bottom line, outbreaks of acute rheumatic fever are now believed to occur more because of sporadic changes in group A strep rheumatogenicity, not decreased diagnosis or reduced antibiotic administration. So you've decided not to give antibiotics, but what else can we do for patients with pharyngitis? Well, like Manny talked about, we do have the combination of acetaminophen and ibuprofen, but we also have steroids. In a large systematic review and meta-analysis, patients who received low-dose steroids were twice as likely to have complete pain relief at 24 hours with complete pain resolution 11 hours sooner than placebo, resulting in a number needed to treat of three. Adverse events were not appreciably increased in patients who received steroids. So if you have that patient with severe pain or a subjective feeling of difficulty swallowing, consider giving them a one-time dose of 10 milligrams PO or IM dexamethasone before they leave the ED. If you have a patient with cough with their sore throat, talk to them about using honey. In summary, keep in mind that acute rheumatic fever and rheumatic heart disease are rare complications of strep pharyngitis in developed countries. Balance the risks and benefits of antibiotics, and you have other treatments available for pain, including Motrin, Tylenol, and steroids. This rounds out our summary of the key EM docs posts. Thanks for joining us, and stay tuned for our next episode. Feel free to comment on our site and let us know if you have any feedback. Stay safe and healthy, everyone.